The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And that ball is gone. It's over the wall in an opposite field home run, or is it? Yes, it is. Circle the bases, Harrison. Number nine in an opposite field home run for Harrison Bader. And a young cranks one out to deep left. A hanging breaking ball. Gone! The shortstop comes through. And the Cardinals needed that in the worst way. And they get a two-run bomb from Paul DeYoung. Cardinals needed that in the worst way, and they get the game one win against the Cleveland Indians. Danny Mac show on a Wednesday, day baseball coming up on Valley Sports. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's BK. Tanner always doing a great job with us, and uh, we'll visit with the Cardinals broadcaster in Cleveland on the radio side, and that is Ricky Horton. So the Cardinals hold on. They wound up getting a bases loaded walk from Dylan Carlson to tag a, another run on the board. They win it 4-2, to two, and it sets up perfectly because Wayno went deep pitched magnificently. We'll get into that in just a moment. Giovanni Gallegos comes in, has a scoreless eighth, which included a double play, and Alex Reyes was dominant in the ninth. That's how you draw it up. And with the day game tomorrow, will they be pushed if they are in that situation today? Talking about the big three, but you do know that Henesis Cabrera is rested and ready to go. But a really good ball game last night. Great ball game, and Adam Wainwright once again led the led the charge for the Cardinals. What a he's shock. Been, he's been unbelievable, Dan. I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say anymore between him and Harrison Bader, who I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute. Those guys have been tremendous for the Cardinals, especially of late, but Wainwright's been doing this all season long. He has thrown at least seven innings now. In 10 of his starts this season, that would be a good year for most starters. Let me put it in a little bit of context for you from the Cardinals perspective. Every other Cardinal starter this year has combined to throw at least seven innings seven times. That's exactly Again, right. Wayno has done it 10 times this year. It's it's unbelievable. He's giving them the innings that they needed. We we knew going into the season, hey, who's going to be the guy that is able to this is an innings crunch for the team. Who's going to fill those for you? And right now when they're being hit hard by the injuries in that rotation, Adam Wainwright has been the one that's been the pillar. He's been an ace for you in his age 39 season. I don't understand how he's doing it. But he's out there pitching, and it's been beautiful to watch, man. It's it's incredible to watch, and he's 39, as you mentioned. The one that uh, has, I think, 12 games of seven or more is Zach Wheeler, and uh, he's making about $30 million a year or something like that. And, by the way, um, he's 31, with not the mileage that Wayno has on that body and that arm. So 20 games started, 125 and two-thirds. He's 8-6 and six with an ERA under four. He has been terrific and last night, seven innings, four hits, two earned, gave up a two-run homer, walked two, strikes out eight. Mike Schilt on his starter. Yeah, he was tremendous again. Um, you know, him and Quantra locked up and threw good baseball, you know, and Wayno was fantastic uh, on the grounds for six outs. Curveball was tremendous. Um, 11 outs on his curveball, five punch outs. Just made pitches when he need to and was really uh, really sharp. He did, he did the ball very well. Give us seven to leave with the lead. I'm sure one of the things you're going to ask Rick Horton, and it's a logical question, and I ask it every time, how the hell is he doing this? He's throwing 89 <laughs> miles an hour. He's flipping up breaking balls at around 70 miles an hour. But here's the deal. He's pitching, and uh, I'll say, you know, before we came on the air, we were talking about 
Adam Wainwright and just how is he, you know, how is he doing this at the age of 39? And it's so much fun to watch. I, I really do look forward to having done this a long time. There's not a lot that you, you know, it's kind of rinse and repeat with this job. You know, every game's a new game, new chapter, different Every chapter. day you'll see something new at the ballpark. You yeah. do. I, it's cliche, but true. And I sit there and I look at Wayno and I go, Man, I'm enjoying watching him pitch, and I've done just about every one of his games. I'm enjoying watching him pitch now more than I ever have at 39 and with stuff that's not quite the level that, I mean, remember this guy was a mid-90s and could get it up to 97, 98 with that big hammer of a breaking ball. He doesn't have that anymore. Now, the curveball last night was really good. Mike Schilt was 100% right. I mean, it was a really good pitch, but he is pitching and I just love watching him. It's just so much fun. It's better watching him now at the age of 39, not in his prime, in my opinion, than what we're seeing when he was in his prime, which was fun, too. It's You have more appreciation for what he's doing now, right? Because earlier in his in his prime, you could see the stuff. Like he's just overpowering for a lot yeah. of guys. He's just He's more talented than the guys that he's going up against. It's all of those different things. Now he's out thinking, guys. And for me, that's almost more fun to watch because you can see the mental side of the game that Wayno's going through, especially when Yachty's behind the plate, the two of them combined. I mean, they just, they've forgotten more about baseball than most of the guys they're going up against will ever know about baseball. How about the final pitch of his night? I believe it was the final one. He goes to three and two. I think it was Fran Mill Reyes who has driven in 16 in the 16 games that he's been off the IL. So he's swinging a hot bat. It's three and two. Wayno may be a little bit on fumes, but still obviously good stuff. And Yachty calls time. And they go out there and they say, okay, I'm sure. They're just going through the scenarios. What do you want to do? You thinking cutter? You thinking fastball? We're going to go in? We're going to go out? And he strikes him out on the next pitch. And I believe it was his eighth strikeout. So that was the one that was number eight. That's what you're talking about. Yep. The game within the game. And, and talking about how do we want to approach this particular guy with this scenario with the game on the line. That is baseball, man, and that is fun to watch. The other thing is the pitch count. Like last night, that was part of it as well. He was efficient. He got the eight strikeouts, but you look at the end of the night, and it's seven innings and 87 pitches. That doesn't happen in today's game. You just don't see that anymore. He could have, in in a lot of scenarios, a guy that has 87 pitches through seven probably goes and pitches the eighth as well. So it's it's just it's so foreign everything that we're seeing from Adam Wainwright and KK's the same way. A lot of what we're seeing from him is he's gonna be on the mound today. He pitches in a similar capacity. It it's it's been remarkable to watch. And right now the Cardinals are getting by in their rotation. They're not just getting by. Since June twenty sixth, which is kind of good. the turning point of the season, I guess, if you will, when yep. Mike Schiltz came out and said we're changing our approach at the plate. Well, it's actually been the rotation that's changed even more so than what they've done offensively. Since then, the Cardinals in their last 25 games have a 2.95 ERA from their rotation. You want to know how the Cardinals got back on track and why they're 15-10 since that stretch? It's because their rotation's playing a lot better, and they've got a couple hot bats in the lineup right now. Jim Hayes had a chance to visit with John Mosellock, uh yesterday on our pregame show on Valley Sports, and most they were talking about the trade deadline. He indicated, hey, if we can find some pitching, that's the direction we're probably going to go. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was a good visit that Jim had with Mo. Speaking of the pitching that is in uniform, here's Adam Wainwright. Yeah, good stuff. Good, uh, good command of things. Just uh, one bat at bat to... To Jose, other than that, uh, I felt I felt really good out there. I was wor- working ahead in the count for the most part and efficient and controlling the counts, controlling uh, the ball up and down, in and out, just like I wanted to for the most part. Just uh, 
took a batter off, and he paid me. He, he, he made me pay for it. So that made it a 2-1 game. Then the Cardinals really had nothing going on until later in the game. Uh, down 2-1, all of a sudden two outs. Matt Carpenter, two strikes. He's your designated hitter last night. Gets a base hit to center. So you, you, you keep the inning alive, and then it was Paul DeYoung with a huge home run for him and the team that put the Cardinals up 3-2. They would add another run, which was the Dylan Carlson bases loaded walk, and the Cardinals shortstop came through. Bueno's incredible. He takes care of his body. Uh, just a true professional. Uh, we always know what we're going to get from him. And so just great that he's out here competing still. We love him out there. Um, you know, just the way he goes about his business, it all it pumps us all up, and we're all just ready to play behind him. And just feel like it's always a good game when he's pitching. Absolutely. You're always on your toes because he's efficient, as you said, early in uh, the count. Now, I want to go back to Wayno here for just a moment, and let's talk a little bit about the future here. you got two months to go. Adam Wainwright told Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, that may retire this year after the season is through, or if I do play, it's going to be one more year. John Mosaloc was uh, asked if he knows if Wayno will pitch in 2022. I don't. Um, you know, that's something that uh, he and I will discuss at some point, but at, at the current moment, we haven't um, had that sit down to, to touch base on that. But, you know, certainly um, when the time's right, we'll figure out um, what makes sense for him and, you know, most importantly, what he wants to do. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we've embraced what he's done for us over the last few years and, and over his career, and, and we know how important he is to the Cardinals. But there's also a part of him that probably wants to go be a father, and, and at some point, like anything, things come to an end. So we'll wait and see and, and await word on what that looks like. BK, Mo hit it on the head there. I was emceeing Zoom, Adam Wainwright's uh, charitable night, his trivia night, on uh, the Friday in Chicago. So it was about, like, what, three weeks ago, yeah. something like that. And so we, uh, I interviewed Adam, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Tommy Edmond, and, and Dean. And so these guys, what we're doing is between the rounds, we would come on and, and it was supposed to be an interview that was lighthearted, fun, you know, not really talking baseball. And it was great. The guys were absolutely awesome in it. Adam Wainwright was spectacular in it. And uh, one of the things that we would do, and as you know, what you can do in Zoom, and I'm getting to my point here, is that you can go into a, like a, the private chat room. You know what I mean? You got everybody out here. Careful on those, Dan. Yeah. Oh, I am. <laughs> Trust me. I just, I, uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. I, I, that's how I do it. And then I meet my mic. I certainly don't get up, you know, if I got shorts on and a, you know, yeah, my, yeah. my uh, suit coat. Yeah, I look very professional in my shorts and no socks and shoes and a suit coat. Anyway, so uh, Wayno had his daughter who is going into high school next year in one of the chat rooms with us. And we were just kind of talking and it, it really put into perspective for me um, maybe where he's at. I'm, I'm not saying that he's not coming back because I do think he's going to come back. I think there's something about knowing that this is his final time from the player's perspective. It, it's going out on your own terms, which a few years ago he did not potentially have that opportunity. He was hurt, but now he's come back and he's been really good. But then there's the human element of this, of being a dad. And he's got five kids. Um, he's got a little boy that is probably maybe two, three years old, something like that, uh, and four girls. And the oldest is going into high school. And so we were just talking about, you know, and he's like, hey, Danny Mac's got a daughter going into high school. And what, you know, it, we were just talking. And, and it was just a human conversation privately of I get to see that that is weighing on him, in my opinion. Sure. Now, he may not say that. This is all me saying this. But I do wonder about that, you know, because at some point he's going to look up and go, yeah, I had a hell of a career, 
and I made a ton of money, and I've made a really great difference in the community and will continue to do so, but was, you know, for that eight-month period of every year, I'm I'm really kind of not around, and you're not. I mean, you're home, but you're not, and you're always thinking baseball. You're always thinking about the next start, and you're in a hotel room in Chicago and Detroit and New York, and you're, you're distant. Yeah, <laughs> and you just start thinking, you know, as much as I maybe want to have that pull to play, sometimes family is more important. I don't know if he's going to do that, but that's just kind of some perspective. What's unique about this situation is you've got a 39-year-old pitcher who the decision is up to him. Yes. the Cardinals, if it's up to them... As long as he stays healthy this year, for sure. I'd be stunned if they don't bring him back. Absolutely. Because you look at this rotation, and it looks completely different next year with or without Wayno. Like Those are two very different fork-in-the-road scenarios. If he doesn't come back, well, then the Cardinals are probably going to have to go out there and acquire a pitcher who can give you the innings that you were expecting out of Adam Wainwright. So... Are you going to get it from him, who's, let's be honest, probably coming in a little bit cheaper than some of the other alternatives that are out there? Or are you going to go with a, one of those other options? Cardinals would obviously prefer option A, which is Wayno. It's up to him. Yep. Do, you, do you want to pitch or not? And I totally understand either scenario. He's 39 years old. Next year would be his age 40 season. He has kids at home. He spoke, as you mentioned, to Ken Rosenthal about how important that is for him to be able to be home. He said his home operates better when he's there, which I think anybody that has kids, I do not, but I've seen families that do. I get eh, that. I, I can refute that. Yeah. <laughs> My kids and my wife want me back on the road. Yeah, that's fair. There is no doubt they want me out of the house, and I'm being serious. That being said, Dan, as I look at the rotation for next year, you've got Flaherty. Michaelis Hudson, we'll see. I just don't know with the injury status. Sure. But if they're healthy, you feel good about that. If Wayno's there, you feel good about that. KK, Reyes. we'll see. And then you've got a lot of question yeah. marks. You brought up one. Alex Reyes, is he going to be a starter for you? Is Libertor going to be ready for you next year? Do you go Oviedo and AAA for a full season and just get him some time to really season himself next year? Uh, maybe. Does Zach Thompson start knocking at the door mid-year next year? Maybe. Do you look at free agent options? Possibly. But I think you exhaust the internal options first before you go explore options externally. And Wayno's obviously option 1A there. My guess would be on both Wayno and Yachty is that they would probably like a decision on this sooner rather than later, meaning that they probably don't want to go if they can draw it up the way that they want. Again, it takes two to tango, but they would probably want that decision done uh, before the season ends. You know, like, hey, we're coming back and we really don't want to deal with the free agency thing. We went through it last year. It was uncomfortable or maybe I enjoy it. I don't know, but I'm just saying I think they would prefer to have a decision one way or another on their immediate futures, which is uh, next year. Again, everything I'm saying, you know, Wayno may come out tomorrow and say, yeah, I'm coming back. I mean, you know, it's it's his choice. And like you said, though, the one thing I want to see, and this pertains to KK, too, and I'm sure we'll get into this with Rick Horton, I, I want to see that they make sure and make it through the season healthy. You still have a third of the year to go. And so that's a long time. That's two months of baseball. So you got to make sure that these guys are healthy and then at that point, you make your decision from an organizational standpoint and if the player wants to come back. But a lot of it is based, if not all of it, on health and making sure that these guys are, are ready to go for 2022. Absolutely. And if he's ready to go, he's going to be a guy that I would absolutely consider bringing back next year. Coming up, we'll visit with uh, Rick Horton. He is in Cleveland. He'll have the call on the radio side of Cardinals baseball. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. 
Danny Mac show on a Wednesday. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. A reminder that we have Cardinals baseball coming up on Bally Sports. It'll be the Cleveland Indians and the St. Louis Cardinals in game two as the Cardinals wrap up the road trip. They had three in Cincinnati and now two with Cleveland. And on the radio side, calling that game will be my buddy Rick Horton. Hey, Ricky, good morning to you. How are things going? Oh, it's great, Danny. Uh, good to be with you. I've enjoyed uh being on this trip it was kind of a slow start to the trip, obviously in Cincinnati, but uh, things have picked up the last couple of games. Absolutely, uh, I was remarking off the air with BK. I am enjoying watching Adam Wainwright throw at the age of thirty-nine mm-hmm. more so than I did in his prime. It is so much fun to watch this guy. I think you're you're right. I, I feel like he is. Uh, he's always been a good pitcher. He always knew what he was doing, but he really knows what he's doing now, and he is. You know, he's got this remarkable ability to actually get stronger and get better as the game goes along. And, you know, only one pitcher in baseball has more seven-plus innings appearances than 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. And what does that say to to a, a young pitcher who's trying to figure out how to make it in this game and how to last in this game that there's a 39-year-old uh, doing it the way he does? And I just think he's such a great object lesson. You know, Adam's not the big you know, kind of rah-rah leader type, tough guy. You know, he's not that guy. But he shows by example. Uh, and uh, if you're a young pitcher, why would you want to be like Adam Wainwright? Ricky, for those at home that are watching this and asking themselves the question, how is he doing this? It's like a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He's coming in with a curveball still. How is this so effective when we see so many guys struggle right now that are throwing 98, 99, 100 miles an hour? Well, I think, I think the answer is is embedded in the question that the, the, the presumptive answer would be, if you throw hard, you're going to get people out. And, and that's what we have to kind of uh, let people understand better. Is, is Look, it, it, brute force is a good thing in the game of baseball, whether it's power or being able to throw hard, but it's not the end of the day. I mean, honestly, you know, think about pitchers in the minor leagues that never make it to the big leagues that throw hard. Why not? Because they don't know where it's going, or they can't command it, or they can't add and subtract from it. And so pitching is an art. Uh, it's not. It's not a science. It's an art, and you know some. Uh, you know, why is one artist better than another? Well, they they just know what they're doing, and, and I think we just have to to get away from the the training, um, the training kind of leadership uh, for young pitchers. That it's all about how hard can you throw it in that little box? You know, that matters. Of course, it matters. But it's not the only thing. And if you don't, if you miss the other thing, you still don't know how to pitch. I, I love what happened with DeYoung last night. I mean, Carpenter gets the base hit. Obviously, how do you not love what happened with Paul DeYoung? But he is slowly and I think quietly over the last two weeks been much better. That's his fourth home run in the last 14 games. We're seeing better at bats from Paul DeYoung. Would you agree? Yeah, no question. It's funny, he woke up in the morning and he got a hit added that was called an error like three or four days ago. So he had a hit before he went to the ballpark yesterday. So probably feeling good about that. Uh, but you know he's become Mr. Close and Late uh, Big Fly too. I mean he's had more. He's had as many. I think he's number five actually in the last four years of home run seventh inning or later. Uh, you know that's a guy that you, you, we've seen him do that so many times where you know late in the game uh, he just changes the game or extends the lead, which is what he did last night. And yes, the bats are better. He seems a lot uh, quieter with his lower half and just seems uh, to be uh, timed up a lot better and. You know the feeling's been fine the whole time, but but you know you, you need his bat, and that's pretty good, pretty good power to have in a ninth spot in an American League game. 
Ricky, every time we talk with Mike Schiltz after these games, he's bringing up their two-strike approach, and that's been a conversation for this team. I think the date was June 26th when they had the conversations internally about their approach and how they needed to kind of shift things back into having a more multidimensional approach at the plate. We're seeing that in particular with Paul DeYoung. The two-strike approach has really changed for him. What are you seeing there? What have you been able to break down that has changed for him in particular with two strikes? Well, you know, I, I actually think the guy that's led the way on that, uh, oddly, and, 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 and a guy that, you know, we, we're starting to give more and more credit to is Harrison Bader. You know, Harrison Bader is a different player in general than he was two years ago, and the two-strike approach is part of that. Now, that's something he was working on prior to that particular date when, when you know, kind of the law was laid down about making changes. But, you know, Bader has gone from a guy that was easy to strike out to hard to strike out, a guy that when you get two strikes on him, he's not automatically out anymore. In fact, he's going he's gonna to get some, get some things done with two strikes. And, you know, I think Tyler O'Neill's better with two strikes. Paul Goldschmidt's always been a kind of a good two-strike approach guy. But, so I think it's just kind of a, you know, everybody's following suit. So I don't know if Paul was the first guy to do it, but I think he certainly, you know, he's buddies with Bader, and I think, you know, something about watching each other, you know, that's what, that's what kind of happens on a baseball team is you kind of follow, uh, follow things that are working. And, you know, when you start to see results, you know, you're, you're hitting your brain that you got to try to hit a home run on all pitches, even on two strikes. Well, you don't hit home runs on two strikes. Very rarely you hit a home run on two strikes. And if you look at the numbers, that's the way it is. So why are you trying? Put the ball in play. Maybe you hit a double. Uh, you get an extra base hit, do some damage, and, and, and create a rally, and that's what the Cardinals have been doing. And, uh, I, and I do think that, that DeYoung's doing it, but I think Bader led the way. Yeah, and with his speed, by putting the ball in play, it's pressure on the defense, and you never know. He might uh, have one of those swinging bunts, which he's had on this road trip, or he might walk into a home run. I think the interesting thing with him, and it's dramatic, and you guys were just touch, touch, uh, touching upon this and talking about it, but... His strikeout rate, Ricky, was 32% last year. It's at 16%. I mean, How about that? that is yeah. a massive improvement. I mean, you see guys improve by maybe 3 or 4% or, you know, uh, go the other way by 3 or 4%. But to cut it in half, I mean, that is a conscious effort to put the ball in play and to make the adjustment. So he deserves all the credit in the world of what he's doing. He, he does. So, so you, you always learn in the game when you're developing players, don't give up on raw talent and don't give up on guys that work hard. Uh, and, of course, if they got both of them, then, then you, you really have something. You just have to be patient with them. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, I, look, I know that there were times where it was hard to be patient with, uh, with both O'Neill and Bader when, when the strikeouts were piling up. And it's been hard to be patient with, with Paul DeYoung at points this year. But, you know, you know, I love all these guys. I think they've got, you know, they've got big upsides that they're starting to – kind of reach towards and you know they're all hard workers too so you, you you work hard you make the adjustment you have to you know work hard in the right way too it's not just working hard you know it, i mean it's it's working hard and working smart and i think i think they're all doing that right now and you know Bader is able to use uh, what o'neill can use and edmund can use when you get these kind of base hits i mean base hits i know nobody likes base hits but what do they do they put stress on the other team big time and then you kind of hang a curveball, and it's uh, it's a two-run inning instead of just uh, just nothing. So uh, I think this this cardinal speed is part of their makeup. And without getting guys on base, they don't get to utilize it. Cardinals broadcaster Ricky Horton is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Ricky, would you agree with the assessment that the Cardinals outfield, as is currently constructed, those three guys are going to be the outfield for the next few years, given what we've seen this year? 
I, I do think that. We, you know, we've been in flux with the outfield, as you guys know, for several years. It's like, well, what? who's the next guy? Is it going to be Dustin Williams? Is it going to be Rosa Reina? Is it going to be Adolis Garcia? Is it going to be, I mean, what are we, and what about Fowler? And, you know, so we were in this big flux for a while as kind of who was going to be the guys. But I think all three have distinguished themselves this year. And, you know, you hit 270, 280 in 2021. That's like hitting 300. So, honestly, these three guys have all uh, proven their medal, I think, in, 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 in the season. And I do like the way they all play the outfield together, too. You've got three guys that cover a lot of ground. That makes up a lot of difference for a, for a staff that doesn't thri- strike out a lot of people. Uh, you need to have an outfielder uh, that, outfield that, that can move a bit, and, and you certainly have that with those three guys. I think you just kind of stand pat with them. It kind of makes it difficult for the Cardinals to do much around the trading deadline is you've got kind of things that are developing into what you want to be so you don't want to mess that up again, and that's just kind of an, an odd and awkward place to be if you're, uh, if you're the Cardinal general manager. It is uh, Plesak against Kwang Hun Kim today, and Kim has been the guy that we all thought he could be when the Cardinals signed him. It was intrigue, and then we saw a lot of good things. Uh, this year he's been injured a couple of different times. Two Twofold question here, uh, Ricky. Number one, uh, just what you're seeing out of him to get to the level that he's at right now, and... I was asked about this yesterday, so I, I'll ask you. I was asked, would you sign him or bring him back next year? And I, my, my answer was this, that I, I have to see him stay healthy for the final couple of months. It takes two to tango. It sounds like he really enjoys St. Louis if he's going to stay stateside and play. And with going into this season, I, I just thought that the pitching, they were loaded, and I was wrong. I mean, they, they got just yeah. decimated with injuries. You can't have enough pitching. I, I certainly would be intrigued, even at the age of thirty-three, of maybe making another run at, at Kim. And again, though, I got to find, I got to see the final two months. But I, I do have at least um, a flicker of light going in that direction. What do you think? Yeah, well, he's thirty-three, so he's not young. But you know, <laughs> neither is Wainwright. But but what you have with Kim is a guy that I think has kind of gotten settled. You know, it's a word I like to use, Dan. You've heard me say it a lot. Is you know, sure. Guys, kind of wonder where they are and you know when you're coming from you know south korea to the united states you know understandable that it's going to take even a little while longer to get settled especially when you come in the middle of a pandemic i mean all of us have had to get resettled in a lot of ways in our lives and so uh, I, I think that's part of why he's finally settled into the guy that the cardinals thought he would have in fact he was pretty good last year too don't get me wrong i think his back is kind of behind him his back injury and uh, so uh, you know, he's he's a little bit like Wainwright in the fact that he's a pitch maker that doesn't really wow you, but you look up at the board and he's thrown a few number of pitches and he's working into the sixth inning or beyond. Uh, so I would sign him, yes, I would. I think uh, if, of course, the money's got to be right, too. I mean, it's always that's always the case is you don't want to, you have to see kind of where the uh, where his heart is about playing again and, and where his uh, his heart is about what, what dollars he might be expecting, but uh, I'd certainly entertain it because I think the, the Cardinals uh, w- would love to have a left-handed – I mean, having a left-handed starter in your rotation is still a pretty important thing to have, I think. Final thing that I've got for you, Ricky. If they win today, if the Cardinals win today, they will win their final game going into the trade deadline. They will be 8-4 and four in the second half in 16-10 and 10 in their last 26 games. Do you think that would be enough to push John Mozeliak in the front office to make a move prior to the deadline to kind of fortify what this team is? Yeah, I, I think I think making a move is very complicated for the Cardinals right now. Does he want to make a move? Of course. And and are the Cardinals close enough? 
you know, even considering the wild card, and not, not just the division, but, you know, the wild card's actually a little closer because San Diego's faltering a little bit, oddly, and they, they of course, made uh, a move already and maybe making some more. But, uh, you know, you're talking about seven games, and, and you've got still – you don't. Even, you still have a third of the season left. I mean, thinking about that, it's like, wow, that's a lot of baseball, kind of the left to make up some ground, and you make up seven games in, in in a third of a season for sure. But again, I'm not saying that can happen or will happen, but it's it's certainly a big, at least a big tease enough. Uh, but but I, I think that the, the the hard part for making a move is where I started to say is is I just don't know that you want to part with some of the young talent that the Cardinals have. I just think you just. You really would have to be careful about who you gave up if you're going to get somebody as a as a rental. And I think if you're going to get anything, you'd want to get a starting pitcher. And of course, Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis might be those guys uh, in a sense, the guys you expected to have at the beginning. And maybe that's enough. And I, my guess is uh, that's where the Cardinals are going to end up. Hey, Ricky, I know these getaway days on the road are, are a busy time, uh, especially in the morning, getting packed and uh, and heading to the bus and going to the ballpark. So really appreciate you hopping on and uh, look forward to – well, I won't hear your call, but I'll hear your highlights. So I look forward to okay. that. <laughs> All right, guys. Great great to be with you guys. You too. That's uh, Rick Horton, uh, great friend and one of my best friends in the world, and I appreciate him hopping on. Always uh, good to visit with Ricky. He's the best, and I'm fascinated to see what the next couple of days holds for the Cardinals. Like I said, this is their last game prior to the trade deadline. That's right, off day Thursday, yeah. Off day Thursday, and then you play the night game on Friday. And if you win this game, 16-10 and in your last 26 games is nothing to sneeze at. That's a pretty good stretch of baseball right there. That's similar to what we saw when this team was at its peak earlier in the season. So I... I don't know if that's going to be enough. You are still, regardless of what the Cardinals' record is over their last 26, you're still seven games back in the division, and that's a lot of ground to make up. I totally understand that, but given the updates that we're hearing on Flaherty and Michaelis, which seem to be relatively positive, given the way that the team has played, I would like to see, even if it's incremental improvements, a guy like Josh Harrison or some mid-level on relievers. That Josh Harrison bus, and I'm with you. It's cheap. I love him. He's cheap. He's a good player. He helps Absolutely. you against right-handed pitching. I've those, always liked him. When he was with Pittsburgh, I liked him. Good player. Those, yeah. those are the kinds of things that I think this team could do that does not, like Ricky said, uh, decimate your farm system. They shouldn't do that to go all in on 2021. But I do think there's players out there on non-contending teams that can help you that wouldn't cost an arm and a leg. So what's interesting, too, I think, BK, is that um, we had some video last night on Valley Sports of Jack Flaherty's rehab assignment. Man, did he look good. He looked really good. I mean, ball was – you can just watch when certain guys are pitching, the ball is coming out of their hand, and it's jumping. It was jumping out of his hand. If you get him back, if you get Michaelis back, how you rearrange then your rotation, whether it's piggyback or not, but that's one down, maybe two go out of the rotation – then they get put in the bullpen. You got something there. That's where you're saying, oh, here's our depth that we were talking about, and you got Wainwright, and you got Kim, and you have others that you like that you say every fifth day now, every day, I got a chance to win because of what I'm throwing out there. Um, and I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm not giving up Nolan Gorman. I'm not probably giving up Matthew Liberator unless Top I am. Top five prospects, I would say, completely off the board. You got to be just blown away. I'm not giving up Mason Wynn. I'm not giving up Jordan Walker. I mean, these are guys that are at some point going to be in the big leagues and help you out. And I'm so intrigued, by the way, with Mason Wynn. Saw some video on him the other day. I get more intrigued by the day he watching the video. He just got called up as well. It's yeah. a high A oh, ball. Yeah. He's playing with Jordan Walker now. Yep, he moved too. Um, that's something the Cardinals really do well, I think, is aggressively move up guys. Um, so my point is, 
they they're not going to just sell out just to say, hey, we. Now, if you're if you're one game up or five games up or or one game back and you you just love your team, yeah, you might think about it. But even then, they haven't done that. If currently constructed and healthy, it's not a bad team. It's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. It's just did you run out of time? And we're going to find out. The thing that I find most interesting about the uh, rotation situation is it, it was an interview that Mo did on on Bally Sports Midwest last night. Actually, he said, "Hey," or it was Mike Schilt before the game. Actually, said, "Hey, we're we're looking at mid August at the earliest to get back Michaelis or Flaherty," which kind of surprised me because given the piggyback situation that you had been talking about, that I know Jim Hayes had reported, that would have been something that if you're doing that, you probably do it to get them back earlier. That would be the primary goal from it. If they're going to go mid-August as the earliest for either of those two guys, I would think they would be individual starters. You'd have both of them starting for you, which is nice. That's helpful. And you now have two spots in your rotation that can be replaced with two guys that you trust. But as you said with the timing thing, now you've got to fill the next two weeks to be able to get there. And that could be the difficult part for this team. All right. We're going to talk more about uh, the game today. You can see that on Valley Sports. Zach Plesak against Quan Hun Kim. Then the Cardinals have an off day and a huge homestand coming up. I mean, it is a really big homestand. We'll do that. Also go around the major leagues. And that is next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK. The podcast powered by I Promise. Bader, left field, and this game is tied. Solo home run, Harrison Bader, number seven. The 0-1. Bader, base hit in the left. Winker to the plate, offline. Bader drives in his 21st. And Bader launches one into deep left. Have a road trip, and that didn't even include those highlights of the home run last night. Three for four, a couple of runs, one home run, uh, drove in the, the one run with the solo shot, three extra base hits. And last night, the first time in his career that he had three extra base hits in a single game. Really good at bats. Uh, we talked about it on the broadcast. That's BK. I'm Danny Macker. Thanks to Rick Horton for joining us. Final segment of the show. Um, he laid off a couple of sliders, middle, outer half. And it set up the at-bat. He got into a hitter's count. What's he do? He does damage. So in the month of July, this has to be the best month I've seen him have. But going into play last night, he was hitting three eighty four in the month of July. Now that's around four hundred. He's got six home runs. He's driven in 17. He's got six walks. The strikeouts, you're going to get a few here and there, but they are way down. I mentioned it before that his strikeout rate now is cut in half from a season ago. That's amazing. I hope people amazing. understand how absurd that is. It just doesn't happen when you cut it in half. You might be able to cut it by a couple of percentage points. Exactly. Like your typical two or three, guy, three or four. When Tyler O'Neill cut down, quote-unquote, on his strikeout rate, it went from like 35 to 30. That's pretty good. You're happy with that type of a rate uh, decrease. When you're going from 31, 32, which is where Bader was, to 15%, that's absurd and almost unheard of. How about this? He has now the second highest OPS in the National League since the break. Behind only one wow. Soto. What? 
That's incredible. If you're looking for outfielders on the season, Dan, even including his downturn there in the middle of the year prior to going on the IL, the only National League center fielder with a better OPS than Bader this season. There's two of them, and one of them is now on a different team, Brian Reynolds and Cattell Marte. It's unbelievable. It. Yeah. He's third in the National League among center fielders in OPS+. Plus. He's been one of the best center fielders in baseball this year. And I, every night that we watch him, I continue to be surprised while he's at the plate. I shouldn't be, but I continue to be surprised because this is a guy that when he came up was known for his glove and for three years after was still known for his glove. And if you're a Cardinals fan that watched him at the plate and we're like, I just can't watch this guy every night. I can't watch all of the strikeouts. It's the same thing. It's slider, 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 and he keeps swinging at it. I get it. I was frustrated by it as well, and I was part of the fan club early on. What he's done, the adjustments that he made, whether it's him, whether it's the hitting coach, I don't care who it is. Whatever it was that was the adjustment that was made, it's unbelievably promising. And we talked about this with Ricky Horton. It's the reason why I think you can now count on him to be a significant part of this outfield moving forward. Think about this. The Cardinals, well, he is, to me, he's a linchpin of the three. So last night was the 28th game. The Cardinal, that's it. In 100 and now, 100 games, 101 today. In 100 games, you had O'Neill, uh, Bader, Carlson in the outfield for 28 games. That's it. By the way, when they play all three together in the starting lineup, the club is eight games above 500. So that that's significant. He's the linchpin of that defense because the other thing that should not be overlooked, I don't think, in this road trip is how well they have played defensively. This has been very good, for the most part, clean baseball by the Cardinals. Key last night was to strike him out, throw him out. I thought it was momentum-shifting play in the game. You had uh, Tyler O'Neill scaling the wall the other day. Bader has been outstanding. Dylan Carlson has an outfield assist on this road trip. So the other part of that, too, the byproduct is Tommy Edmond is at second base. You had a key double play in the eighth inning. Because Tommy Edmond is allowed to play second base. It went 4-6-3 with Gallegos on the mound. Those are the kind of things that have to happen for this team to win, which, by the way, they're 7-3 and in their last 10. Best record in the last 10 games in the National League. Yeah, they're, they're looking like the team that we expected them to be. Last night was the formula. You get a good start by your starting pitcher. You go to your big two at the back end of your bullpen. You play clean defense. You get just enough, scratch across enough runs to be able to make it interesting. And you find a way to win. Like That's, that's the formula for this team. As much as we talk about the offense, and for good reason... It really is pitching and defense, playing clean games, it's run prevention. It's not sexy, but it's a hell of a lot of fun whenever you find a way to win. Let's go around the league, huh? Let's do it. Let's do it. Brewers without uh, outfielder Christian Yelich, if you haven't heard or read about this, for at least 10 days, positive for COVID-19. And then they had to do contact tracing with that, so they were late to get to their game. I say late. I mean, they made it on time, but normally teams will fly out the night before. I believe they flew day of because they had to do contact tracing and find out who he is around, and I'm sure vaccinations are a part of this. Who is not vaccinated? Were you around him? Uh, All that stuff. It's just a nightmare, obviously, with baseball and with all sports, but in the middle of the game yesterday with the Nationals, and we talked about it on the show yesterday. We're hearing so much about Max Scherzer. We're hearing about your favorite player of all time, Josh Harrison. My guy. Your your guy. Um, The Nationals came out and said everybody is available with the exception of Juan Soto. And that really perked up a lot of people saying, wait a minute, Trey Turner is available? They've tried to lock him up. They couldn't get him. Well, he left in the middle of their game last night. 
Now, when you're in this time of year in Major League Baseball, you're watching hugs in the dugout, and you're watching when guys are taken out of a game, and you have no idea why. Mm -hmm. So the speculation was going nuts that maybe they actually did deal him because he would get a haul. Um, Unfortunately, he leaves the game. He tested positive for COVID-19, so he's out 10 days. Steven Strasburg is going to have season-ending neck surgery. So Thoracic outlet, and that is never something you want to hear for a pitcher. That is awful. So things not going in the right direction for uh, the Nationals. Major League Baseball, no surprise here. here. They extended Trevor Bauer's leave for a third time this year. Dodgers are going to make a deal for a starter. Have to. I think they have to, too, and I'm, I'm thinking Scherzer. Apparently Scherzer has said that he'd really be open to either the Dodgers, the Padres, or the Giants. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah, contending team on the West Coast, National League. He said he would like to go to a team that he thinks he could pitch for again next year as well. All three of those teams would make a lot of sense as Max Scherzer destinations for 2022. Good organizations, willing to pay what it costs for a premium talent like Scherzer. All three could certainly be in contention this year and next year with him in the mound. Now, there was some movement in baseball. The Astros, by the way, Houston has kind of slid under the radar after all the trash can banging and cheating and all that stuff. They're, thir- they're, they're 21 games above 500. This is a really good team. Um, they acquire Kendall Graveman, 30 games, 4-0, .82 ERA from the Mariners in a four-player deal. Mariners reportedly uh, feel betrayed, the players, and I can understand. They just had a huge win the night before. They're one of the biggest surprises in the American League, and then all of a sudden they trade away one of their best guys. That That's hard to swallow when you go into that clubhouse the next day. Jerry DePito just can't, can't help himself. By the way, they did end up, if I'm not mistaken, making a trade for a reliever after that. So they're kind of moving pieces around. But this is DePito time. Like He, he goes out there and he, he finds a, a player that he can trade and then he gets somebody else. He is the guy that has 20 bucks in his pocket. He goes to an outlet store and he just he can't help but pay, pay $20 for whatever it is that he finds, Do even you, if he doesn't need it. You remember when Jerry DePoto was with the Angels, and he was a guy that he's a former player and is all in on analytics, uh, analytics, and they were just flipping the roster over and over and over again, and he's done that with the uh, Mariners. So they also acquire Tyler Anderson, uh, 18 games started, the Mariners do, from the Pirates. A proposed deal with the Phillies fell through after an issue surfaced with one of the two players that Pittsburgh would have acquired, so... That trade went down, and the Yankees trade relievers, uh, Luis Sessa and lefty Justin Wilson, to the Reds. Interesting to see the Yankees doing that. Normally, that doesn't happen. I've got to imagine this kind of similar to the Mariners trade will portend something else happening for the Yankees. It opens up a couple of spots on their 40-man roster, which is always important this time of the year. We hear about the numbers crunches that teams go through. There's got to be something else that's coming. Otherwise, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Yankees. Eloy Jimenez is healthy and back for the White Sox. It only needs one at bat to come to him. Like that. Oh, Eloy Jimenez! Do not walk anyone in front of him! Wow! Welcome back! Hi, Mom! See you later! 5-3! It's Eloy's number. That's big for the White Sox to get him back because he could be a huge bat down the stretch. Bryce Harper, a home run, not the traditional style. Out to center field, Robles heading back toward the State Farm side. He jumps, it's off the top of it. Harper can run, he's around second. The ball picked up in center field. They're going to wave him home. The throw by Soto is not in time. Inside the park home run. 
It's a 6-3 ball game. I love Bryce Harper. I know some people don't. I do. And how do you not love Fernando Tatis Jr.? High drive, deep left field. El Nino's left the building. Fernando hits a two-run shot. Padres right back in it. I believe that was 440 feet. Just, just a little, little wow. guy. I was okay. watching that game. He crushed that baseball. It was ridiculous. Can uh, I add one thing on Bryce yeah. Harper? Yeah, we just got bored with what Bryce Harper's doing. He very well could have a 300, 400, 500 slash line this yes. season, which just doesn't happen in Major League Baseball very often, and it would be like the third time that he's done it in his career. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah. He's one of the best players in the sport. He's still doing things every night, just like what you just heard a minute ago, that are incredible to watch, and yet, for some reason, reason he's just kind of the forgotten man i don't know if it's because the phillies have been underwhelming over the last couple of years i don't know what it is maybe it's the other young players that have come and taken the league by storm he's still one of the faces of baseball and i love watching the guy couple of quick notes uh, jeff passan of espn reporting that the rays eyeing chris bryant and max scherzer according to ken rosenthal the nationals want to find a trade for scherzer in the next 24 to 48 hours so that'll be interesting and the giants looking at acquiring uh, chris bryant so a lot of movement coming up it looks like in the next 24 48 hours this has been a great show our thanks to ricky horton and you'll be with uh alex ferrario coming up the next three hours you mentioned max scherzer we're going to talk about that a little bit more coming up grant paulson is a nationals insider in dc want to talk to him about scherzer's future what he thinks the future holds for trey turner does he think Josh Harrison could be a fit here in St. Louis? Oh. We'll talk about it all coming up with jo- uh, Grant Paulson at 1130 and plenty of NHL content over the next three hours as well as the NHL's free agency period officially opens today. Our thanks to you, Rick Horton, Tanner, I'm Danny Mack, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mack Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.